you're very welcome along. It's the gardening programme here on Midwest Radio on this Saturday morning. Pork, good morning, good morning to you. Good morning, good morning. Yeah. What a morning. What a morning. There's some rain out there this morning. Isn't there just? Oh. Yeah, I, well, I, you know, obviously I'm up early enough of a Saturday yeah. in the uh, darker hours these mornings. And when I just woke up, there was just one of those really heavy showers. You know, you can hear it on the roof. And I went, oh. <laughs> We're back but anyway, it. but it was only short. And then I, but I, when I went out, it was persistent in a quieter sense. And yeah. I think it's been fairly persistent ever since. Oh, it has. Yeah. Some heavy yeah. showers out there at the moment. Plenty of surface water along the road. So people driving today, just be a little cautious. But I think we're, we're promised rain all day today and then back to dry weather, yeah. hopefully tomorrow and And, and Monday, Monday or yeah. at least two days looking yeah. not too bad yeah. at all. So it'll help to dry things up. Just a couple of things, Jared, uh, yeah. before we start. The um, robotic mower, I mentioned this a couple of, for the last couple of weeks. We have the demo on today from 11 to Today's 5. Today's the day. Today's the day. 11 to 5 in our centre in Turlock in Castlebar. Richie from Gardenia will be there. He'll have one of the robotic mowers uh, whizzing around indoors, of course. Um, and he'll be there to answer any questions that people may have. Um, so if you're interested in the whole area of, of technology and robotic mowers in particular, and the ease that they bring to your own garden, and, and as you know, I've had one in my garden for mm. the last six months, and I can certainly testify to the ease and the quality of them. Uh, so Richie is in anyway from 11 to 5 in our store in Castlebar in Turlock today and tomorrow from 12 to 5. And uh, if people have any questions, they want to see the mower, um, and maybe bring some pictures of your lawn if you want, or rough measurements and Richie will talk to you about the size of more that you're going to need and uh, cover any questions that people have but they're straightforward enough okay. straightforward enough so that's today and tomorrow um, in our centre in Turlock and Castle Bar so that's the, the Gardenia more. The other thing I want to mention, I'm going to be myself after the t- after today's programme heading to, um, well, staying here in Ballyhonus okay. I should say. Yeah. So I'm going to the West Awake Honey Show uh, which is organised by the uh, Ballyhonus Beekeepers Association. Sounds uh, great. Yeah, it, it's a it's a full day event actually, kicking off at eleven o'clock today. Um, what I like about the, the, this year's show, they've involved a lot of the schools um, in terms of uh, bringing awareness to the schools in terms of beekeeping mm-hmm. and the plants and the flora that that uh, that the bees love and that are important and getting the children involved in that. And they've a colouring competition I think today and lots of prizes as well. And I'm we're sponsoring the prizes from Horkins for each of the schools. So so they're going to go away with a hamper uh, of uh, wildlife-friendly um, things like feeding the birds, the birds. And, yeah. and bulbs oh, associated lovely. with um, with with bees and so on. Now I'm giving a talk myself at two o'clock. So it's in the Connacht GA Centre of Excellence on the Beacon, just on the Knock Road outside Ballyhonus. Um, the event kicks off at eleven o'clock, but I'll be speaking just after lunch at two p.m. And my talk is really just going to chat about what people can do. Get your garden buzzing is my is my topic. <laughs> is <it? laughs> so I'm going to be talking about the, the, uh, the various types of plants that you can plant in your garden from bulbs from seed from seeds from uh, I'm even going to talk on weeds that are important to, to be so we're going to my talk really is going to go on for about an hour and really show the type of plants that are important uh, if you want to encourage bees into your garden um, I'll also be talking about heather honey which I've brought which in brought today in, yes. I brought you in yep. a jar and uh, you might remember that a couple of weeks back 
the um, Dublin City University, uh, DCU and Trinity College done a study on Irish honey. That's right. Uh, and I suppose the, 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 the big revelation from that was that the, if memory serves, that it had if the same, if not better, sure. yeah. uh, beneficial aspects to it than the famous Manuka honey. Absolutely. For which we pay a huge amount of money. Exactly. So that was the key point that we're making, that particularly Irish heather honey is as good or better than Manuka honey in terms of its medicinal properties. It's antibacteria uh, um, qualities. You'll never see uh, bacteria growing on honey. So you know how you have your jam at home and within a couple of weeks or a month, you'll never ever, it could be 40 years old, 100 years old. They've taken honey from um, the Egyptian tombs and and it's been absolutely no uh, bacterial. And what is it about it? It's just whatever it is about honey. It doesn't, it doesn't, it it actually is antibacterial. So you'll often hear people using it on cuts and wounds. Um, Internally, it it stops inflammation. Mm. It's been been proven to have um, inflammation properties. And as I always say, and I'll be covering this in the talk today at two o'clock in the GA Centre in Ballyhonus, um, I eat honey every day of the week. And when you think about honey, the bee visits the flower, Mm. takes the nectar and pollen, brings it back to the hive. The beekeeper takes the frame, spins it, and puts it into the jar. So there are no ease added, there's no colourings or flavourings added. Just, yeah. It's pure, natural, extracted from the bee, the pollen and the nectar. Obviously it's put through a sieve just to take out any um, any large particles, but apart from that, it is not even touched by human hand. So there's nothing added to it. So you're actually eating, that, that header honey that I have today in studio is actually the full of the pollen and nectar mm-hmm. directly from the heather, the heather plant itself. yeah so there's nothing added to it so it's a really good natural product but it's great to see it backed up by the research in DCU and Trinity it College is, absolutely they've actually put proper science behind it they've also found that urban bees so one, part of my talk talks about AIB for example in Dublin have put in in Balls Bridge beehives on top of their the, up on the roof on the bank up on the top of the bank yeah. and those bees are visiting the local trees and shrubs and flowers and hanging baskets around Dublin City they only have to fly a couple of hundred yards to get their pollen and the the research from DCU and Trinity has shown that particularly the uh, multiflora urban honey is actually even better than the heather honey so it's top top of the top wow. shelf stuff <laughs> and what do we know difference between urban and and rural honeys then well you see in in urban environments like for example i went to i went to see michael d's uh, bees in the Oris, yes and the bees there only had to fly less than 100 meters up to the lime trees because there's a lot of uh, a lot of pollen and nectar around well right beside the he has 17 Uh, hives in the apiary and right beside the apiary are a whole grove of lime trees and they were in full flower this is back in July early August and um, because they only had to fly such a short distance the bee literally left the hive and within a couple of seconds they were back Back again full with nectar so they filled up the supers really really quickly and in urban environments the bee has only to travel a very very short distance to collect because there's trees along O'Connell Street all the hanging baskets and shop fronts all of those flowers are attractive to bees so they go to a multi a multi variety of flowers in an urban setting they have a very short distance to travel and because you've got that mixture of different Mm. nectars it seems to have what they're saying is, or the research is telling us, is that the qualities, the properties are better than Manuka honey. So they're, they're also, uh, you know, so Heather is, is certainly up there in the Richter scale. Ivy honey too has been shown to be extremely good 
Uh, so in terms of ranking, we've yes. got the urban flowers, we've got heather okay. honey, ivy comes next, and then oilseed rape comes next in terms of pure uh, properties, right. particularly medicinal properties. Um, particularly with ivy honey, ivy is one of these plants, if you ask a farmer, what does he give a sick cow? They always say, I give a branch of ivy. Or if cattle or, or sheep are let into a into a paddock, I don't even yeah. It's funny. I don't even associate ivy with something that produces that where pollen would be produced or nectar. Oh, absolutely! It's it's one of the biggest, um, particularly at this time of year. As we come into October, November, as many plants are going mm. out of flower, ivy comes into flower at this time of year, yes. and it's one of the last crops or one, last plants that the bee visits before they hibernate. So they actually store the ivy honey for themselves, and they're eating that ivy honey Over during the winter. The winter. Yeah. So what does that tell you? But but in particular, ivy, ordinary common ivy, if cattle or sheep are let into a, a paddock, they won't eat the grass, they go straight for the ivy and they'll hoover the ivy before they'll eat anything else. Right. So it has this medicinal. And again, research in, in, in Limerick University has shown uh, that uh, ivy honey in particular is, has huge properties, again, associated very similar to Manuka. So look at, I suppose the message really is, and, and some of the team from DCU are actually going to be at the talk today in the, um, at the West Awake Honey Show. They're going to give a presentation on Heather Honey and talk about the re- their research. And I'm actually going to attend that, that uh, talk because I'll be very interested myself to get just a little bit more information why Heather is, is actually so good. But they're going to be down to give a talk uh, which which is going to be very good. So look at sounds the, really interesting. Yeah, so right? it's West Awake Honey Show. It's run by the the Ballyhonus uh, Beekeepers Association. It's going to kick off at eleven o'clock today in the Connacht GA Centre of Excellence, uh, out in Beacon there on the on the Knock Road. Mm. Um, and particularly, I'll be talking at two o'clock in terms of planting and the things that people can do. And I'll have some of this heather honey with me that people can have a look at. Um, but remember, there's lots of other activities. There's lots of children's activities, in particular from two o'clock onwards. Right. I'm probably included in that children's <laughs> <laughs> activity. But uh, look, we'll have, I have an excellent sh- slideshow. Lots of plants we'll talk about. And... Um, as I say, I have a couple yeah. of plants with me as well. So I'm looking forward oh, to that. Oh, sounds this, like a really good day. This That's afternoon. a lovely colourful heather that you have. Yeah, I brought, yeah, this is a, one of the winter flowering varieties. It's actually a two-toned heather with lovely white and uh, pink or, or nearly reddish flowers. And they will stay, they're, they're actually only the flower buds, so they have yet to open. So that plant will actually stay in flower from now right through to April of next year. So it's a, quite a nice one. Generally, the, the bees feed off the uh, ling, the, the summer the heathers, heather. uh, summer flowering heathers yeah, okay. that normally so flower the, July, the winter, August, September. The winter heathers are more for decorative purposes. Yeah, then. but having said that, bees will actually travel in not a day like today, obviously, but if we get kind of mild, calm weather, they'll, mm. they'll forage during the winter period as well. But they tend to, to, to hibernate really from November onwards. So look, at that's that's something well worth, it's it's a free event as well for people that want to go to the, the honey show today. And they'll have lots of other, obviously it's a honey show, so they're going to have honey, lo- different honey kinds or, of honey, I'd absolutely. say. Honey, honey ice cream, honey everything. Everything. Probably. There'll be loads of different varieties It's not of just honey, honey in the jar, I suspect. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I, I do advise people, that, again, I gave a talk on Thursday in, in our own garden centre and we featured a little piece on bees. But one of the points I was making to support your own local beekeeper, make sure that when you buy honey, you're buying honey from local suppliers. So look for the Ballyhonus honey or the Claremorris honey or the Balna honey or the Westport honey or whatever. Other varieties of honey, like Boyne Valley, mm. is a mixture of imported honeys. So it doesn't have the natural pollen from Ireland. So it's something just to, if you want the true natural honey, look for right. those produced by local beekeepers and they should state, it'll state it on it'll the label somewhere. Quite, it should be quite clear. It should be quite clear, exactly. 
Okay. Um, so I see you brought in a, some yeah, interesting... Yeah, so you've come with honey for yeah, it. Go on. I, I have a little story of my own, so I'm just going to reach over here for a second. Um, I want to try these, yeah, actually. So I, I always associated walnuts with foreign times, but apparently not so. Um, well, they do come to us from, from Iran, from okay. Persia. Is that really? Yeah, yeah, okay. from Iran. Did so, they? Anyway, Bush, in, yeah. I was out with my mother uh, during the week and uh, there was a bowl with walnuts sitting on the table. And I said, Which oh, you've brought wait, into I studio. Said, where did, I said, where did those walnuts come out of? Are they walnuts? They are. We, there's a walnut tree right down in the back garden, which I suppose we don't pass any heat on. I'm not even too sure how long it's been there. But lo and behold, I don't know, is it this year? Is it good weather or what has produced? But it has produced a load of walnuts. And Brilliant. They, she arrived up with them anyway. So I said, Porik <laughs> might be kind of interested in them. So Very have, interested. Yeah, like we have a whole bowl here and I think these were just picked off the ground. So I'm literally going and I'm told walnuts when they're just off the tree like this, they're known as green walnuts. All right, okay. Yeah. It'd be interesting to a see bit like, inside. I suppose, I don't know. They haven't ripened fully. Yeah, yet. like green yeah. wine in Portugal yeah. and stuff like that. So, so um, walnuts come to us from from so Persia, see, Iran. Yeah, yeah, they're like absolutely really fantastic. Good looking walnuts, absolutely um, brilliant. And the only slight difference, and I'll let you taste this now in a second when I crack my. <laughs> Did you struggle with your? As I struggle with my <laughs> my, my, my very old nutcracker, which I'm told was belonged to my great grandmother at some point. Um, brilliant. Sorry, so it is produced fantastic and, and it, has, it is slightly greenish isn't it in colour slightly it's, it's ever actually so. the texture of it is yeah. a little bit softer than what we yes. would normally and, it, and the flesh is a little bit whiter so I suppose when it comes oh, lovely, to yeah. us yeah mm. um, from, very nice you know in shops it's yeah. A bit, a bit more seasoned. It is yeah. absolutely. Oh, they're lovely. Where, very, very fleshy. And they're very walnutty. Mm. Mm. In, in very strong yeah. flavour. So I, I thought it was very interesting, and I was talking to uh, somebody I work with who is um, mm. very much into their cooking, and they said that walnut trees are kind of in or around the environment that truffles grow in. Okay. So around the roots of around of, the roots, of yes. Walnuts. So I'm. Uh, that well, I remember when I was a, a student many many years ago in the Botanic Gardens, mm. we had a fam- fabulous walnut tree growing right beside. It was growing by, beside one of the um, greenhouses, but every winter, the mistletoe would grow in the walnut tree. Oh. So as a student. The students go, used to go up and rob the, <laughs> the mistletoe, mistletoe and sell it. For other purposes. <laughs> no, and sell it around <laughs> Dublin. Because it's, it, uh, the mistletoe used to grow, it's a parasite. It grows in the, the actual branches of, of the, the wal- walnut trees, yeah. Okay, and uh, are walnut trees common in Ireland? Um, well, they're, they're relatively easy to grow. I mean, they will grow very well in Ireland. Yeah. They tend not to fruit for at least 10 to 15 years. And, and, and often they're up to 30 years before they'll actually yeah. settle down to okay. fruiting. So they tend to grow really strongly for at least 10 to 15 years. And then they start to fruit. And then the tent, and it's a, a season like this year, like we've said on the program mm. all summer, it's Wait. been a great fruiting year, yeah. a great burying year. There's loads of seeds around, thanks to our bees, of course. Um, but uh, yeah, walnut trees. It's a makes a beautiful tree. Now it's obviously a, it's a big tree, and it's. A, I haven't even seen it. I have to go down and look at it. Yeah, well, they, they do. They're like a beech tree. They'll make quite a large, you know, forty foot, fifty foot tree mm. in time. So they tend to be more suitable for large, large, medium and to large size gardens. It's in a good space. Yeah. yeah. So, but um, but they're fabulous, aren't they? Aren't the they? Walnuts, yeah. So I'm dying to see what the real crop is like. Mm. But anyway, that's and there's about, and the, there's about twenty or twenty five walnuts. They obviously fell them. during the storm. Didn't I they? think that's what happens. Yeah, right. and. Yeah. Uh, then my mother just noticed them on the ground and so I would imagine there'd be loads and loads of fruit 
it up yeah, in so when up we in the go trees and have a right, I suppose they're often an area where people don't go down into such too often. It's sort of a okay. uh, just a part of the a, estate. Part of the estate. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they're absolutely well, delicious. Right. Absolutely they are nice. delicious. But anyway, there you go. So we said we'd bring them in this morning. And I don't know if anybody else knows anything about walnuts or have had experience. Do share, please. Juglans. Juglans is the botanical name for them. Juglans. Juglans. Juglans, yeah. Okay. G-U-L-G-A-N-S for memory. Yeah, Juglans. Juglans Regina. Okay. Yeah, but a lovely tree. A real kind of specimen tree, hardwood tree. And isn't it lovely to see the fruit on them? Isn't it The just? nuts on them. Anyway, and the complete aside this morning, what's the best area for heather honey? Well, heather, heather will grow, uh, if it's summer flowering heathers, they need obviously acid soil. So the places like, you know, Belmullet and Ackle and Tormacady have natural boggy type soil, acid type soil. So where you see your rhododendrons growing or your blue hydrangeas, that's an idea that, or that's an indication that the soil is acidic and that'll make the perfect environment for, for growing summer flowering heathers. Mm. Having said that, the winter flowering varieties like I brought into studio, these will grow on ordinary garden soils. So you can have, grow them in pots and containers, you can grow them in garden soil. Heathers tend to look better planted in groups of the same colour. So creating that kind of Persian carpet effect. So maybe six or seven white, six or seven pink, six or seven reds, some of the golden heathers as well. There's a lovely variety called Fox Hollow. And then between that, you can use some small shrubs as well. So you can create this kind of carpet effect. And heathers are brilliant on banks and slopes, uh, difficult areas. They're really an undemanding plant. I have them grown actually at my own house out on the road the roadside Lovely. so that little verge between yeah. the, the road and the and the first wall um, and they get no care and you know very little care yeah. and they just flower away all winter long so the winter flowering varieties in particular remember they flower literally from now through till April or early May of next year so mm. they're flowering for at least at least six months of the year right through the winter period so for the listener I would maybe go with the winter flowering varieties put them in groups of fives of the same colour mix a couple of small shrubs between them and that'll give you colour then right through till April mm-hmm. of next year and the bees will feed on those over the, the autumn and winter and early spring period so they're well worth growing so the ordinary winter winter stroke spring varieties will grow on any type of soil and the summer varieties like an acid soil. Okay. The next question is probably more scientific than horticultural, but uh, why does honey go very thick at the bottom of the jar? Well, honey will crystallise over a period, particularly if it's in a cold spot. Uh, it'll it'll turn from kind of that lovely liquid to a kind of a crystallised, like sugary, you'd see the sugary content, the natural sugars coming through. Um what I do with mine is I just stick it in the microwave. So do I. <laughs> to be honest. Two seconds and it has uh, liquefied yeah, it, again. Yeah. Stick in a bit of hot water. Um, look at it as soon as you put it on your porridge. Yeah. Anyway, it'll melt. I think it's but got something it, to do with that. It might be something to do with oxidation. And, you know, because the, the, the lid has come off and there's a bit of air in the in it, Yeah, and, and they, they do crystallise, particularly in colder, as the, as the, particularly during the winter period, you'll get that crystallisation of them. But And particularly varieties like heather honey anyway tends to be, where did I put the jar? It's, it's tends a bit thicker, to be thick isn't it? Anyway, yeah. yeah, you know, if you turn the jar upside down, it's not going to fall. It's not out. a pouring honey. No, no, uh, it's not a pouring honey exactly. So, um, so look at heather can crystallise over the winter, as you say. Any bit of heat that's put on it, a little bit of, put in the microwave, a bit of hot water, it'll turn it back to liquid again. 
Now, speaking of liquid, I have a lovely liquid amber tree oh, in the lovely. garden. What about that for a link? Uh, that's just turning lovely, rich autumn colours. Just, just wondering, yeah. can I prune it? And will the slips of the plant root if I put them in rooting powder? They're difficult to root from cuttings, particularly at this time of year. Summer, summer softer cuttings taken kind of June, July um, will root easier. So that's a, an easier time to, to propagate the plant. Or from suckers. They'll often produce little suckers at the base of the plant and they can be taken off, potted up. And, and grown on as well. In terms of pruning it, you can prune it any time. Maybe leave it alone while the colour is on it at the moment and then prune it in three or four weeks' time. It's a beautiful tree, liquid amber, really easy to grow. Okay. Fabulous autumn colour. Somebody's wondering, is there sugar added to honey? No. Oh, no, honey no. is, it's natural sugar. It's not, it's, but it's the nectar yeah. that, that, um, that is taken from the flower. From the flowers. It's oh. the fructose, isn't it? Is it fructose that it, is it, the... Get very technical now. Sugar from, from plants? It could be, it could be actually, yeah. I'm not sure, I'm not sure. Uh, but it's, it's, it's that liquid ne- nectar. Now, bees are fed uh, sh- sugar over the winter period, so the beekeeper will always give the bees a little, because they've taken all the honey from okay. them, they'll, they'll always give them a little bit of sugar syrup over the winter. But to keep them going. To keep them going, absolutely. But, but um, any of the, the honey you buy locally that has been from any of the local beekeepers is natural honey. That's what it is. Now, let's talk about roses. Okay. A couple of questions in about pruning roses. I know we probably touched a bit on, the, on this last week, but we might recap. Um, so Kitty is wondering, can I prune my roses? And also, uh, we have a call in wondering, is it too early to cut back roses and feed them? And then also just about nasturtiums and how do we keep the bed free? They've pulled up their nasturtiums, wondering how to keep beds free from moss grass and weeds until next spring. Okay, well, let's deal with that first of yeah. all. Um, so to keep a bed free, I mean, you can do a number of things. You can literally hold over the winter period. You can apply something like the Weed Free 360 to keep any weeds at bay. But what I would do is put on some green manure. So I'd actually grow a cover crop on the bed over the winter period. So as you take the nasturtiums off, get yourself a little container of green manure seed. Yeah. You simply sprinkle it onto the area. They'll germinate, they'll grow. Then they'll provide this lovely cover crop over the bed for the winter period, suppressing any weeds and moss. And you simply just dig that green material back into the soil in February and March and replant your nasturtiums. So it'd be a lovely way of of, um, fertilising the soil because that's what the green manure does. Mm -hmm. It grows, you dig back in, it adds lots of nitrogen and other... um, trace elements to the soil and then you can plant your nasturtiums next spring again. So pop into your local garden centre, ask them for some green manure. The facelia is really good, particularly for bees, but also it's a great cover crop as well just to keep the bed nice and clean. In relation to the roses, I had the pleasure of walking past um, the church in Westport last week, last Sunday I think, Mm -hmm. and uh, the roses are absolutely stunning there at the moment. They're in full flower. It's as if it's summertime. The amount of flower and colour on them at the moment. Now, maybe after the storm, they've got a bit of a, a bit of a beating. I, that's funny because I happened to notice another garden during the week, and roses were really out in bloom, absolutely, or, uh, almost like a second flush, to be honest. Yeah, and and where they're cared for, and obviously they are around the, the church in Westport. Mm. They're absolutely in pristine condition. The old flowers have been taken off. The new buds are coming forward. They will stay in flower, I guess, till the end of November if they're cared for. So there's no pruning required. Certainly in the roses in Westport, not till December You'll or January You'll know of nearly year. yourself, I suppose. Absolutely. Yeah. If the roses have gone out of flower in your garden, they've got bet and battered or whatever, certainly you can trim, tidy them back now. I wouldn't go too severe on the pruning because when you prune a plant, it stimulates new growth. So when we cut it back, the plant reacts to that by producing new growth. And by cutting them too early, they'll often come into growth in the wintertime and that, that 
early growth can be damaged by frost. So if you want to just kind of tidy them up, you could certainly reduce your rose plants by 50%. So if they're three feet high, cut them back to maybe a foot and a half, leave them alone, and then in February, cut them harder, feed them, clean them up, and they're off again for another year. Okay. So it really depends. It, it depends at what stage. If your roses are in great condition, enjoy them, deadhead them, yeah. look after them. If they've gone out of flower and they're looking a bit tatty, then shorten them back, tidy them up, and that'll be perfect. The, the other question I actually got from the group on Thursday was around moss growing and lichen growing on roses in the winter. Oh, yes. So we had Sean from Toom, who's a, an active listener, um, and always sends in questions yeah. here. Sean was down and he was he had pictures of roses that were very old roses in the garden, beautiful pink varieties. Queen Elizabeth, I think, uh, from memory, the variety was. But it's covered in moss in the winter. So my advice to him was, once he prunes them back and tidies them up, put a little bit of the zero that we use on the lawns and that will get rid of any moss and lichen on, on your roses, roses as well and helps to keep the bed clean right. of moss as well. So you can safely use the, the zero on the actual stems of the plant to get eradicate any moss and lichen over the winter period. Excellent. Because a lot of the bugs will hibernate in, the moss. in that. Yes, yeah, so you're better just to clean them it's off. It's almost like it a little blanket for them. Really, it is, of course. It? Absolutely. Yeah. Now, I plan to plant <laughs> an orchard of both uh, soft fruits and taller trees, including apples and pears. Yeah. Can you give me some tips, please, on how to prepare the site and what types should I plant this autumn? So, uh, in terms of preparing Great the site, question. so the first thing, well, first of all, it's a perfect time for planting not only apple trees and, and fruit in general, but things like rhubarb can be planted now, strawberry plants, um, and indeed planting trees and shrubs in general, albeit today is a little wet. Yes. The soil conditions are actually in excellent condition for, for planting. The first thing is really to make sure that the ground is weed free, that there's no weeds or briars or rubbish grass there. So my advice really is to treat the area on a dry day with a little bit of the weed free 360, which will basically just clean off and leave the ground absolutely clean of weeds, but won't contaminate the soil. And then it's a simply a matter of planting uh, a selection. Generally, when you're planting fruit, you plant several varieties together, different varieties together. So for apples, my advice is to mix uh, some cookers and eaters. So I would go for varieties like Grenadier, Brambley Seedling. In the eating varieties, things like James Grieve, Egmont Russet, Katie. There's a whole range of different apples, but go for different varieties because you want them to cross-pollinate one another. Depending on the amount of space you have, if it's a limited space, go for the varieties that are grafted onto dwarfing rootstocks to keep them small and neat. So the Coronet family would be a very good range of apples to go for. Pears do really well if it's a sunny, bright, sunny, open uh, location. Plums can be planted at this time of year as well. Some varieties are self-fertile like Victoria, but again, they're better planted. Cut two or three different varieties together. So Zara is another really nice plum or Opal is a lovely variety. Fruiting cherries. I think we had a question a couple of yes, weeks back about did, cherries. Yep. So again, cherries can be planted. The Morello cherry is the one that we use for cooking in your Black Forest cattle. Mm-hmm. Or St- uh, Stella is a variety that's used for dessert, so you can mix those together. And then underneath those tra- trees, you can put in the bush fruit. So the blueberries, the, the uh, gooseberries, the rhubarb can be planted literally between the around the, the stems of your apple tree. So most apple trees, you grow them on a nice clean stem, like a lollipop, mm. straight stem, round head, and then you can that you'll fit other fruits in around them. So look at clean the soil first of all, and then you're coming into the time of year for planting both soft fruits, the so raspberries, taberries, loganberries. All of those, they were. I was. I was. Um, Taberries and loganberry. Have you never tasted them? What's a tabery? Oh. I've never heard of a tabery. <laughs> there you go. So. Uh, you've got, you've got, uh, so taberries and loganberries are in the same family. They're actually a cross between our wild 
blackberry. Yeah. And a raspberry. Okay. So as you can imagine, they're they're nearly black in colour. They're kind of a plummy black colour. Uh, they've got a fantastic flavour, lovely kind of tarty flavour. Um, love, I, I had the pleasure of actually, when I was up with, uh, in the Oris, uh, looking at the bees, I went into the Victorian garden. And you know how they kind of have it all, they have it roped off, not, they don't let the public. So the gardeners brought yes. me in and so we were eating. Tayberries and the loganberries. I've <laughs> and never the, heard of a tayberry. Yeah, oh, tayberries and loganberries. Yeah, look them up. They're absolutely, they're ab- absolutely lovely. I would prefer them to raspberries. Raspberries can be a bit bland. No. No. I well, I tell you, <laughs> when you eat a tayberry and a loganberry, okay. I'll have to, I'll have it to puts the raspberry now. in the heavenly place. Okay. So try them. They're easy to grow. They grow like a, like a um, like a raspberry on canes. You put up a little bit of fencing or a little bit of wires for them, and they climb along. But they're absolutely loaded with fruit this year. Um, so things like raspberries, tayberries, loganberries, um, even cultivated blackberries. There's a thornless stemmed blackberry. So he's like our wild blackberry, mm. but he produces a bigger fruit. Uh, and they're quite nice as well. Um, but all the soft fruit as well, red currants, white currants, black currants, blueberries, the old uh, gooseberries. It's very, very simple to grow. So a really good time for planting all of those. Rhubarb, of course, can be planted this time of year. Um, and most of them will take two to three years to fruit. Now, uh, one more, we'll take a quick break. Branches on my tree pork were damaged in recent windy weather. Uh, do I need to paint the cut stems with anything? Well, it's no harm if the, if the cut stems are over four inches in diameter, yeah. then you can put on the prune and seal, which will seal in the any, the wound, particularly ornamental trees like cherries or uh, maples or any of those can be. Mark, I, I know the West's Awake show is on um, outside Ballyhonest today, but yeah. somebody from the Sligo area wondering about, Camilla, good morning, about the availability of the heather honey and uh, where it might be stocked, well, etc. In the Sligo shop, they're wondering? No, I don't have it actually in my Sligo store, but I do have it in our store in Castlebar in Turlock. Uh, now, there is a limited amount of it there because I can only get my hands on so much. I can imagine, yeah. But uh, it's available in our centre in Turlock in Castlebar at the moment. Okay, great. Both both the heather honey and the regular uh, multiflora honey is available at the moment. Also, somebody wondering, did Michael D introduce the bees to the Oris and what does he do with the honey? Oh, he did. He did actually. Did uh, he? During his term, yeah. Oh. They, they're, they're, well, the OPW actually managed Manage the... It, um, yes, yeah manage the facility there in the, in the Oris but uh, that's my understanding that they're they're only there about five years so Michael is in what seven isn't he and um, yes. so yeah as part of I think Michael D's uh, reign they, they brought the and they started with literally three or four now they're 17 or they're 17 Hives. certainly the, the day I was there yeah 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 and it's a real passion for and you see the garden the walled garden which I'll be showing a slide of today on my talk at two o'clock um, it, the walled garden is designed to attract it's there for the bees, so they grow a lot of oregano, as I said before, under the apple trees, and they grow a lot of herbaceous border plants, but specifically varieties that the bees love. Um, and they grow the facelia green manures and all the stuff that um, are associated with bees because um, the OPW team have a passion for the honey. Now, the honey, I have to say, is delicious because I tasted it. Okay, good. <laughs> I tasted it in July, and it was absolutely beautiful, uh, the lime honey. Um, and from memory, I think they sell it. There's a, a, a coffee shop on site at the Victorian Garden, which is free to the public, by the way, uh, seven days a week. And it's right beside the visitor centre in the Phoenix Park, close to the zoo. Um, and well worth you, You'll spend a good hour walking around the Victorian Garden. And the gardeners are always very helpful, the OPW staff. Um, 
and if you ask them next summer they might let yeah. you in and taste a Loganbury but uh, they sell the, the, uh, their own honey uh, in the shop or in the, ca- the cafe uh, so, uh, linked to the Phoenix Park um, so yeah Okay. Uh, Sean says, thanks very much for the lovely talk and demo last Thursday. I've daffodils in pots for a few years. Can they get pot bound as they're not as good as they used to be? Ah, yeah. And, and that you'll often find that with daffodils. Daffodils multiply every year. So when you plant a dozen within a couple of years, you've got several dozen. And particularly in a confined space, the bulbs tend to get smaller. So what I would do is take them out of their pots, split them up into three or four clumps and plant them elsewhere in the garden. Um, so that's the great thing about having bulbs. And that was one of the points I was making to people that if you haven't got a location to plant the bulbs directly into at the moment you can simply pot them up into containers leave them out for the winter and then in March or February or March you can decide exactly where you want to plant them, Take, slip them out of their pots put them into the ground and you've got to show a colour within a couple of weeks. Now pumpkins, we're almost into that time of year yeah. the kids grew a pumpkin each over the summer. Brilliant. The plant has died back but the pumpkins yeah. are not fully orange yet. Will they still ripen? Well you'd be, be, I would take them, I would lift them now and bring them inside so ripen them on a, on a bright windowsill and they will ripen indoors put a little banana beside it a ripening banana that'll help to the ethylene gas that's mm. given off from the ripening banana will help to ripen the pumpkin as well so they're better lifted and going back to the, the Victorian Garden in, yeah. in Dublin they actually grow a, a pumpkin patch every year and they lift the pumpkins at the end of September, September. Uh, so this is the perfect time lift them now because the, the, the trouble is as the weather disimproves they'll start to rot outdoors particularly if they're sitting on soil okay. so I would cut it from the main plant now bring it inside somewhere bright windowsill is ideal and it'll ripen over the next couple of it'll go from green to, to orange okay. when trimming my hedge during the week I noticed little purple berries on it just a few what okay. kind of hedge is, is it it's been there for years okay well it's uh, purple berries don't are, have a photograph now or anything to go with that there's a couple of plants that produce purple berries calicarpa is one it's a shrub that um has white flowers in the summer and the intense purple berries a bit like the colour of Barney remember Barney oh the pu- yeah purple, the dinosaur the, di- the dinosaur that kind of a, uh, a vivid purple colour um, Blackthorn you know it produces the slows which are kind of dark purplish purple, colour yeah. um, there's the uh, snowberry as well so the snowberries produce both white and kind of ready purplish berries as well so maybe if the listener even wanted to bring a piece of it in or send a picture in to us here at the studio on the WhatsApp we'd be able to have a look at it uh, and yeah, identify it for next next week or bring a piece of it into the garden centre and we'll have a look at it for you. Great. Now, I had a lovely, healthy clematis plant. It's been damaged by the wind. Will I cut it back? Yeah, it, it, I, I suppose it really depends. I mean, if it's damaged, then certainly cut it back. And the great thing about clematis are they're, they're such an easy plant to grow and they, and they reshoot from the base again. If it's a spring flowering variety like Montana, Montana Rubens or Montana Alba, which normally flower in April, May sort of period, it won't obviously bloom very well this coming spring because obviously you'll be cutting it back and removing a lot of the wood but it will kick back into growth and it'll produce lots of growth during the summer if it's a summer flowering variety it'll be perfectly fine you can cut it hard back it'll reshoot again from the base and you'll get lots of color next summer so the answer is yes cut it back anything that's been damaged trees shrubs uh, clematis in this instance trim them back now tidy them up and they'll kick back into growth next april again now i set lawn seed on the 6th of september Okay. <coughs> it's growing pretty well. Should I cut it? Yes. So the next dry day, <coughs> Excuse me. Dry, the grass grows like the branch, like a, like a tree, like an ash sapling. So if you allow an ash sapling to grow, it'll head vertical, straight up into the air as a long, uh, slender shoot. Same with grass. If you don't 
cut it, the top of it, it doesn't start to tiller or fill out. So I normally recommend when the grass is about two inch, inch and a half to two inches high, get your lawnmower, put on the the, the, the uh, collection box mm-hmm. and you can set the mower kind of at, at medium height level and ground and just take the top off the lawn and that'll help to thicken up the lawn. It'll actually get it to branch at soil level and, and fill in the bare patches and it'll also help to eliminate any weeds because the weeds will have germinated as well and there'll be bits of groundsel or clickweed or those sort of broadleaf weeds beginning to germinate and grow through your lawn as well. So the more helps to put manners on them. So yes, new, newly sown lawns, as soon as they're inch and a half or two inches high, get the more on them now. Wait for a dry day obviously to do that. Now, uh, can you cut back Sweet William now? Yeah, ideally the sweet sweet William normally flower kind of late late spring, early summer. Um, now it it, it, all, it depends when the listener actually plant them because if you plant them later in the season, they will flower in the summertime. So the ideal time to prune them or to trim them back is to cut them immediately after flowering. So as soon as the flowers go off, you trim them back. You can give them a little bit of a liquid feed, and they'll kick into new growth. And on that growth, then they'll flower next year. Because by letting the seeds, the sweet William produce seed, it's actually going to exhaust the plant. So trim it back now, give it a liquid feed and it'll be back in colour again next spring, summer. Can you tell me, am I too late to plant hyacinths for Christmas? No, you can still plant them. The bulbs are still available. Um, so you make sure you go for the prepared hyacinths. So these have been pre-chilled. So they have actually think they've gone through the winter mm-hmm. at this stage. So the prepared hyacinths in your local garden shop. Um, put three or five in a, in a pot. Plant them out of doors. You can use multi-purpose compost. Uh, make sure, obviously, there's holes in the pots and leave them outside in a cold, damp area. So somewhere the, the rain can get at them in the cold for about six weeks. So that will bring us up to, where are we now? So that's going to bring us to the end of November. So that's perfect timing. And then at that stage, bring them back into the house, into the heat of the house at, in December, and they'll come into flower then for Christmas. Okay. So they need that cold period out of doors. So pot them up, leave them outside, sheltered area but obviously somewhere where the, the rain will get at them and the cold at night will get at them they'll start to root and then at the end of November bring them in but you need to be potting them up now it's kind of coming it's, it's on that, that stage right. yeah. and I always say the potted hyacinths they're, they're a great gift to give at Christmas time particularly for children for their teachers or their grandparents whatever beautiful scent easy plant to grow and a bit of colour a bit of colour exactly I know I'm too late now to have brothel sprouts but when should they be started and are they difficult to grow just a small crop in a large container thanks oh in a container yeah well that's one way to grow them definitely what Brussels sprouts well first of all the plants are still available so if you want we have some so it's not too late no no it's not Um, so if you want some Brussels sprouts we actually have Brussels sprouts and um, your own favourite the purple sprouting broccoli yes I love it and I think spinach still available and plants at the moment in our centre in in Castle Bar so you can still plant them they will Will grow over the winter period. What Brussels obviously they're going to grow two to three feet in height. Um, what they like is a very firm soil. So I would mix a little bit of uh, garden soil and compost together, and, and fill the pots, and then plant your Brussels sprouts and firm them in really well. Put a couple of bamboo canes with them as well over the winter period as they start to get tall because they can get a little bit windblown. And those should those particular plants should f- to produce Brussels sprouts next April. March, April sort of period for you, maybe into early May. 
Okay. So they can still be planted this time of year as plants. Now we've got a great bit of information about walnut trees here, okay. Boric. Shoot, um, yeah. So Sean says there's a walnut tree expert on the Partry Road out of Westport involved in looking after the only walnut orchards in Ireland. Oh. I'm intrigued. Um, and a bit of information that other trees apparently were also no other trees will grow near a walnut as it produces a toxin in its leaves and these contaminate the soil making it unsuitable for other plants. There you go. Killing off other competition around the base of them. Okay. Yeah. Flexing flexing its its Isn't tree it? muscles. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Sean, tr- thank you for that. That's, good. that's really expert. I, I'm kind of, you know, this has kind of just come up by happenstance really uh, during the week but I'm a little bit, I think I'll have to take it a bit further and follow things up on it. I think you will. Thanks thanks for that direction. Um, now, uh, bum 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 bum, sorry Porek. Um somebody was wondering about uh, when to transplant ash and sycamore trees. Well, once they go out a leaf they'll transplant very, very le- readily. So leave it until about the middle of November, dig them up and um, whilst you're in the process of, of moving them, trim off all the lower branches. So put a bit of shape on the the ash and the sycamore tree. So again, both of those trees look really well with a clean stem and a kind of round head, that kind of typical lollipop shape. So any of the branches, say up to four or five feet, trim them off, um, prune back the top of the head of the ash and the sycamore and then replant them. Make sure you put them back at the same level and put down a good stake and tie with them just to secure them. So you're putting a little bit of shape on them whilst you're transplanting them. But mid-November, anytime from mid-November right through to March, you can move deciduous shrubs and trees. When is the best time to plant Japanese anemones? And what uh, type of soil do they need? Well, they grow in any type of garden soil. They're absolutely beautiful. The flower kind of late summer, early autumn, they're actually still in flower at the moment. They come in shades of whites and uh, pink, pinky kind of reds, pinky purples. Um, so generally they're planted from plants. Um, so a good, good time. You can actually plant them at this time of year if you wish, or you can plant them next spring in February, March, April. They'll grow during the summer period and then come into flower August, September, October uh, onwards. So um, wait until maybe next spring and plant the plants then. Okay. Um, I have taken slips from a rhododendron and put them in pots. Should I bring inside for the winter? No, no. Rhododendrons are perfectly hardy out of doors, so they should be left out for the winter. Make sure that when you are putting into the new pot um, that the... Actually, it's probably cuttings the listener has taken, is it? I wonder. Slips. Uh, slips. Yeah. yeah. So, so they're I imagine probably little cuttings. So they're, they're half and rooted. So if they're, if they're cuttings, take them roughly six, eight inches long, strip off all the leaves apart from one or two at the very top, um, remove any flower buds so there'll be the little fat bud at the top of the rhododendron cutting, put them into a mixture of perlite and sand, or perlite and compost or sand and compost, a really gritty mix. Make sure the compost is moist but not too wet dip them in rooting powder and then cover them in a polythene bag and you need to put them in a in a bright warm area so a windowsill indoors would be perfectly ideal for uh, rhododendron slips so if they're not rooted and they're young you're trying to root them they need a warm environment so somewhere like a bright windowsill um, a heated propagator is the ideal thing you can buy these special propagators they've got like an electric bla- bra- blanket okay. in at the base yeah. of them it provides really warm heat for the cutting because rhododendrons are a little bit difficult to root from cuttings are so they? they are they are they're not simple and uh, now they root they the wild one rhododendron ponticum right. um that's, that's not difficult no it, it, it spreads by seed or oh, it spreads right. by layering so as a branch touches the ground it reroots like a like a briar like, and takes off again like this, oh right like a, almost like a strawberry kind of thing yeah exactly yeah. exactly now that's one way of propagation so taking traditional cuttings the kind of pencil ends pencil thickness they can be tricky to root 
like that. They need this bottom heat right at the base of the cutting. Um, you can air layer them as well. Remember the little rooting globe that we used to feature, which is like a, oh, yes. like, like a little golf yeah. ball. And that fits onto the actual rhododendron plant. You wound the plant, put a little bit of rooting powder, and that actually f- physically sits on the stem until such time as the stem has rooted. So air layering, if you Google air layering or how to air layer, that'll show you how to propagate rhododendrons. Or else if you can get a branch and pin it to soil level, that will root as well over the winter period. So you will find them tricky from rooted cuttings, but they're easy to air layer or they're easy to pin down and re-root in that, in that way. So maybe, maybe, maybe try it in that way. But once they've rooted, then you leave them outside for the, for the winter period. Okay. They're, they're an outdoor plant. They're an outdoor plant. We have to leave it there. I'm just told that there's fabulous tapiries in the uh, Mayo Abbey Organic Centre. There you go. There you go. Yeah, that's so. If they grow, they'll grow easy here in the west of Ireland. Okay. Porrick, uh, the West Awake, so, so today... I'm, yeah, so two o'clock today, if you're around Ballyhonas, pop in and see me in the Connacht GA Centre, the West Awake Honey Show. I'll be giving a talk at 2pm. And remember... Uh, Richie and, and the guys are in our store in Turlock in Castle Bar with the uh, Robotic Moor demo and also the Heather Honey and the, uh, the Westport Honey is available in our garden centre in Turlock this weekend. Fantastic. Well, a busy weekend yeah. and lots uh, for people there. We're back again next Saturday just we after sure the news Looking at forward to it already. I'm sure you are. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much, Warwick. And to everybody for uh, listening this morning for your company for the last couple of hours. Uh, stand by Michael Neary on the way after the news with Angelina Nugent, which comes your way after these from me. Good morning to you.